Yeah. That's seriously like my favorite week of the whole year. It's so much fun. Two weeks, two weeks. Um, So we have been doing a series on doubt, and this is the second to last one, so we're we're getting towards the end. Um, And so today, I'm going to talk about, uh, I titled this, A Me Problem. So first, I wanted to start with some bad breakup lines. If you have ever heard of bad breakup lines in a relationship, don't ever use these. These are awful. Hey, baby, are you in a tunnel? Because we're breaking up. You remind me of Haley's comment. I don't want to see you again for another 74 years. This one's the worst. Roses are red and violets are blue. Trash is dumped and so are you. Um, Hey, baby, I'm calling myself Han because you need to be solo. And then also, raise your hand if you have a boyfriend. (laughs) Not so fast. (laughs) Those are the worst. But the, the, please don't ever, ever use these. Now you know. Make a note. Don't ever say that. So, but the one that we all know, and we all know it's a lie, is it's not you, it's me, right? Um, Now, this picture, I thought was hilarious. It's not you, it's me. Just kidding, it's totally you. Uh, Because that's how we take it, right? Sometimes it can be me, but like, for the most part, you, when you hear that, they take it like, no, it's really you. Um, So we've been looking at doubt and struggles that we have in our faith. And a lot of times we say to God, and we pin it on God, and we say, it's not me, it's you. It's a you problem, when actu- in actuality, it's really me. It's a me problem. It's not a God problem. So last week, we looked at different aspects of doubt that we see in the New Testament and how they present themselves in our lives. And a lot of times, it comes down to when we hesitate or if we just don't want to commit, it's because we're unsure if we can trust in the character of God. But I mentioned how we should have childlike faith. I mean, I want to have faith like my son does in swimming, like the way my son swims. I mean, he just launches himself into the pool. He can't actually swim, but he just trusts that I'm going to catch him. He trusts that he's going to make it because he trusts me implicitly, and he doesn't doubt his own ability to make it. So today we're looking at ourselves. So what other things some can hold us back from being all in in our faith? And a lot of times it's personal things that you have to look deep inside and to the, get to the root of it, of what is holding you back, what is not making you move forward in faith. Things like, are you really sure you're saved? Or can I be good enough of a Christian? Um, so those are the things we're talking about. So the first one is, how do I know I'm saved? Well, it's not unusual to ask this question or to feel uncertain. Many people, when they're first in their faith, they first make that step, ask themselves, did it work? How do I know? Like, what do I do? How, how do I know if it worked? And let me tell you, I grew up in the church, right, my whole life. Do you know how many times I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart? Like, so many times. Anytime I was at, like, a camp and they would have an altar call and say, like, if you want to commit your life to Christ, then I would be like, oh, I better go do it again, just in case it didn't work, because, I mean, like, how do you know if it worked? And so I would go and I would do it again, Um, And which is crazy because I grew up in church my whole life. I grew up hearing about God and Christ, but I didn't really grasp grace. I didn't get that it had nothing to do with me, but it had everything to do with God who has already made that sacrifice for me. His saving work on the cross redeemed me. And so if I put my trust in him, then in that moment I am saved. Um, And I don't have to ask over and over again. It is finished. It did mean, however, that I had a long journey ahead of me of growing in my faith. 
Um, I like what Dave said a few weeks ago about how faith will show a transformation in our life. But here's the thing, is it is a slow process. I think we assume that salvation is, you know, you pray this big prayer and then all of a sudden there's like lightning and firebolts and, you know, like rainbows and all of a sudden you're just like this completely different person and your life is like so perfect and it's this huge thing, maybe like a dove descends down like when Jesus was baptized. But it is not like that. Every now and then in someone's testimony, you'll hear about a big event that happened that just turned their life around. But more often than not, it is a slow process. It's a slow transformation that happens over time. Sometimes you can't even pinpoint the moment when you decided to put your faith in Christ. So sometimes I think we can get paralyzed in our faith and we can't move forward because we're just not sure. We're not sure if we're on that other side or if we're not sure if we're good enough to be there. But consider this, in Romans 5, 8, it says, God shows his love for us that in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were in the trenches of our sin, before we even recognized that we even needed a Savior and that we can't do it on our own, Christ had already taken all the sin upon himself on the cross so we could be called righteous. He already did it before you. Alistair McGrath says, think of God offering you a gift. To receive it, you stretch out your hand and take it. The offer is real, as is the gift. Your acceptance of the offer must be real as well. And if you have accepted that offer, then you are a Christian and the promises of God are yours. So if you have put your faith in Christ as Lord and Savior, that he took your sin on the cross and he rose from the dead, then you are forgiven and you are a believer. And nothing can take that away. Your salvation is not based on how many good things you do or how much faith you have. It's based on the power and the one in whom you believe. So like I said, genuine faith shows a transformation over time in our life. So if that seed is planted, then your faith will grow. It's okay if it starts small. It all, all of us start small. But over time, you should be able to see growth in your life. So imagine with me that you're in a dark room. Um, it's dark, completely dark in the room. There's one window, but there's shutters on there, so no light is getting in. And outside, it's super hot. I mean, it's Texas, right? The sun is beating down. It's hot, but no light is getting into the room. Your one job is to remove the shutters. Your task is not to generate the light and the heat. The sun has already done that. The sun has already given that to you. All you have to do is remove the obstacle that's blocking the light that would allow the light in. So if you're still uncertain about your salvation, why don't you ask yourself and ask God, what obstacles are holding me back from accepting this gift that God has given? I think a big problem that we have is that we rely a lot on our feelings, right? But feelings are subjective. And a lot of times we can let our feelings dictate things and tell us that that is truth. And feelings and emotions are good. God gave us those, right? But we can't be ruled by our feelings. We're not supposed to have faith in our feelings, but in a God of truth, a God who keeps his promises, that even when we lack faith, he is faithful. So the next one is, is God present in my life? Have you ever felt close to God at some times, but then other times you just feel like he's gone or he's left? Um, I mean, why do we feel closer to God during times like camp? Like if you've ever been to Pine Cove or if you've been to impact camp, 
you know, those times you just like, it's so exciting. You're spending so much time with God. You feel like he's just right there. You're on fire. You go home. You're like, I'm going to do this thing. Like, this is so exciting. But then reality hits a few weeks later and you just don't feel God's presence as much. You don't feel as close. But we can go in and out of these waves of just not feeling like God is with us or just not feeling as excited about our faith. Think about the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. We've all heard the story, right? I've mentioned it several times. I mean, so the Israelites are in Egypt, and God, they just watched God do all of these incredible things. He put all these plagues and all of these crazy miracles, and then he parted an entire sea, and then he led them by clouds and by fire. I mean, God's presence was right there. There was no denying it. But you know what? Two weeks later in the desert, they start doubting and questioning God, and they start saying, did you just leave us here to die? Like, did God take us out here and just leave us? Are we going, like, do you have food for us? What are you going to do? What, you know, they start doubting in God's goodness and doubting that he is going to take care of them. And I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? They don't feel God's presence. Before it was undeniable, he was right there. And, and now they're thinking, did he leave us? So if you've ever had moments where you have felt this, know that you're not alone. Even the Israelites who witnessed these amazing things had moments where they felt like, did God leave me? Like, are we done now? Um, So they had to overcome that and trust in God's goodness. Um, So again, when you think about feelings, feelings are not always reliable, right? You can still feel something for someone, even if they're horrible to you and not a good person, right? Or you can feel like something is unfair, even if you haven't seen the whole situation and you don't know why this would be fair or unfair. Or you can feel like God is not with you, but that doesn't mean he isn't near. I mean, right now, I can't see the sun. I can't feel its heat, but that doesn't mean it's not there. If God has promised to be with us, then he is with us. He has given his Holy Spirit to live within us. So our hope is based on God's faithfulness and his promises, not on our feelings. Check out Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Because I have trusted in your steadfast love, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I love how real the Psalms are. I mean, half of them are like David crying, right? Because he is. That's what he's doing. He's crying out to God and he says, I just, like, I feel so alone. I feel like you have left me, God. I feel this. I feel like you've abandoned me. But he doesn't just let himself wallow in his pain and sink further. Instead, did you notice, he shifts and starts praising God. He turns to what he knows instead. He knows of God's steadfast love. He knows what God has done for him. And so he's holding on to those facts instead of what he's feeling about it. So I'm sure you guys know nothing about letting your emotions get the best of you, right? I know I never have. Um, But instead of letting our feelings just spiral out of control and let you sink further and have all the negative thoughts just tell yourself all the horrible things, instead of letting that we can focus on what we know to be true about God 
and what he has shown us already, whether that's through the word, whether that's through your own life or through other people's lives. Whenever you change your perspective and you focus on God instead of yourself, it changes your perspective a lot, and it helps you pull out of that. So the next one is, I'm not good enough. And I think this can go two different ways. So either we feel like we are too messed up to even be saved, too much of a sinner for God to love us, or you know you're saved, but you just don't think you can be a good enough Christian, you know, like the other Christian people that you see. But, and sometimes we can function in one of those, even if you don't realize it, even if you know it's neither one is truth. Um, But you know, this is what makes Christianity stand out from everything else in the world. Because there is nothing that we can do to be good enough to be near a holy and perfect God. It is only through Jesus Christ's sacrifice that we are made righteous. So other religions, they work in order to find favor with their God. But for us, we obey because we already have favor. Christ has already done the work for you. Again, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And if we can grasp that, then I think it takes the weight off of us. He loved us first. So he already knew you before you were born. So I think it's safe to say he already knew your failures. He already knew all the bad choices you were going to make. He knows your weaknesses. He also knows your strengths. He also knows the gifts that he has given you. So we should let our inadequacies push us toward God. Because it's our chance to recognize our need for him and let him grow us. McGrath says, To recognize the full extent of our sinfulness is not to disqualify ourselves from the grace of God. It is to indicate how much we need it. If anything, feeling inadequate can be helpful in keeping us humble. Because it helps us recognize that apart from Christ, we are nothing. But instead, our weaknesses and our failures failures help us to rely on God and turn to him. Because it is through him that we can get through anything, through any temptation, through any weakness. And it helps us remember that whatever gifts we have, God has given those to us so that we can use them to glorify him and spread the gospel. One of my favorite verses, Philippians 1.6, it says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he began the good work in you. It was him. And even if it's like a small amount right now, and you're not sure if you're really doing the Christian thing right God will bring it to completion. He will finish his good work. He's the one who has given you the Holy Spirit, who will guide you and convict you. He will help you become more like the person of Christ. So whenever you don't feel good enough, what do you feel and what do you know? Because don't let your feelings tell you that you're not good enough of a believer or not qualified enough to live it out or that you're not good enough to overcome something. Because it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the one who created you, who already knows your strengths and weaknesses, and knew that beforehand and yet still called you and still loved you and still sacrificed himself for you. So don't compromise what you know to be true for the sake of your feelings. So I think what can make all these three things more difficult is our culture and our experiences in our life. Because we all have different experiences, right? And events that happen in our life that affect the way that we view things and feel about things. So our experiences in life shape our outlook. 
So it shapes the way that you respond to situations. So if, so if you had had a harder family life, if you've had um, abuse or if you've had somebody leave, then you might have a hard time accepting God as a loving father. Or if you have been surrounded by unreasonable expectations and you feel like you have to be perfect just to be accepted, then it's going to be hard to accept that Christ has already done the work for you and it, you don't have to, to earn your favor with God. But oftentimes we see things through the lens of our own experiences and you have to dig deeper to understand the root of your doubt. And our feelings can get in the way of truth. But don't let that stop you though because we all have areas of doubt in our life that we're going to have to struggle through and we have to wrestle with. But let that push you to ask questions and seek God in that. Sanctification is the process of growing into our holiness. And when you accept Christ as Savior, you are transformed. You are now a child of God. But sanctification is a lifelong journey of growing into the person that Christ has called you to be. But what's comforting is that when we lack in faith, God's faithfulness never changes. And he has already gone before us and called us holy. And he is unwavering. Even when we get pushed back and forth by the messages of the world and and by our own temptations and desires, like he is still constant in our life. So my prayer for you is that you would see God's constancy and his faithfulness and let any doubts you have find your answers in him. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to break out. Lord, I just thank you for being a constant God, Lord, that you are faithful even when we lack faith. Lord, I just pray that we can recognize all that you have done for us, God, that even when we question whether, whether we're good enough or whether we can trust in you, Lord, I, I pray that you would make it clear to us that you have shown yourself time and time again. And Lord, all we have to do is just open those blinds and, and accept what you have for us. Let's ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all can break out. <laughs>